Welcome to the Foolish Adventure Show, where guru hype is banned, lifetime value of a customer is king, and the internet business has replaced the J-O-B as the path to financial success and personal freedom. Now, here's straight talk about making a living online with your host, Tim Conley. Welcome to another episode of the Foolish Adventure Show. I'm your host, Tim Conley, and I'm here with my guest co-host, Lane Amon. What's up, Lane? Hey, Tim. What's up with you? Oh, it's been a while since I've had you on the show. It, I've been doing a bunch of interviews, so it's like, oh, we've got to get on and do another episode. Exactly, before everybody forgets my voice. <laughs> well, you brought up a topic to me saying, hey, you know, why don't we cover uh, cover this one? Because uh, I think this is an important topic. So what we're going to cover today is the customer is always right, except for when they're not. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I think where it came from is, is um, I really take my responsibility to my market seriously. I want to provide great quality products, great experiences for them, and great customer service. But there's always an upper limit on what I can provide. And drawing that line can be difficult. Sometimes there's there's no question. They might ask for something that's completely outside the realm of what I can do. But sometimes they ask for things that sound reasonable, but is it the direction I want to go in? Or they might ask in such a nasty manner <laughs> that I just want to get them off my list, give them a refund, and send them on their way. So I want to think about this in a more strategic sense than just responding on a case-by-case basis. Um, because I want it to be a strategic decision versus an emotional decision. Right. Well, so for those listening, we did an episode on uh, customer service in the past that was mostly wrapped around products. Like what kind of products Mm -hmm. do they want? What kind of products can you serve? I believe it was on like scope creep is what, what we essentially called it. So I'll try to link to that in the show notes so that you can go back and see like the product side of this of this discussion but this is just in the the direct customer service mm-hmm. exactly exactly so if you have somebody who um for instance there's there's run-of-the-mill customer service questions i can't download this product i can't access my product i lost my password etc cetera, etc cetera. and those you know 80 percent fall into that category and we handle those i actually have a va who helps me handle those with a smile on our face and make it as easy for them as possible but then there'll be um a questionable group where um Either they want something, for instance, I just ran a class where every day we had a daily video. And um, for the 29 days of February, they had a daily video that was several minutes long. And somebody said, well, I really want a transcript of this. Now, to create a transcript of those videos puts me into, it, it's, a, it's a revenue issue or a cost issue where it's a hard cost. I would have to pay somebody to sit there and listen and transcribe the, the, the videos. Um, and then I have to balance how do you balance that? Then do you, um, how do I get a sense of whether that's really adding value to my customers as a whole? Um, something I should consider for next time or something I should do immediately. Uh, I kind of tend to be the yes person, but when costs are involved, then I have a, a different set of questions I'm looking at. <laughs> that's the thing. I get that question a lot with the Foolish Adventure Show. 
you know, can you provide transcripts? And since the show is usually about 40 minutes long, sometimes longer, sometimes a little shorter, but about 40 minutes, that turns into approximately a $60 cost per show for mm-hmm. a show that doesn't actually make any money. Right. So a few people have actually sent me some nasty emails saying, you know, I've, I've asked you about having transcripts and when are you going to put out transcripts? And like, I don't know if I ever will. Right. On, on a couple of episodes that I think are really good, those, those I think will get transcribed just because I think they would make interesting ebooks to, to put out. Even if, they are, even if they're free, they'd be interesting that way. And we did that with one, which was a on membership sites. So those kind of things, there's a strategic value in it because those I can actually give more value by doing the transcript. But some of the others that may be more philosophical in nature, it's like it doesn't make sense to have them in a transcript form because all it's going to do is give a cost and serve just a small part of my overall market. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of people that on your customer side don't actually understand that you have to pay this. The, you know, this money has to come from somewhere. And a lot of people just like, you know, just do it. Well, so many other people are doing it. Why won't you do it? And it's like you have to make that decision for your business. Do you wish to expend a lot of money and hopefully uh, get an incremental increase in value for your customer or do you skip it and use those resources somewhere else that can give you an exponential exponential increase in value? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it really is that question of it's a cost-benefit analysis. Right. How much is it going to cost me in terms of time, money, other resources, and what is the benefit to my business as a whole? Not to this one particular customer, but to everybody. So if you got 500 people emailing you and saying, gosh, I really love your podcast. I'd love to have it in a a written format. In fact, I'd pay for it. Then you've got a different question on your hands than why don't you provide this? Everybody else does. (laughs) Right, right. So those kind, of, those kind of things, you have to decide if that's important as a, as a value thing. But I think that's even something like transcripts comes more closer to the product side than the actual customer service side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but, they, but since they, it is a, a customer-facing issue, right? Uh, so th- that's the thing. Most things in business really are a customer service issue. Mm-hmm. Anything that is customer facing or affects the customer is something related to customer service, even if it's not like what we get with big corporations when we call their their toll free number, get shuffled around from person to person through each individual in their customer disservice department. <laughs> That's what most people think of when it's customer service. But there's so many other things that we need to consider with this. Mm-hmm. And one of those was where you were saying, well, what about nasty people? That's that's the yeah. one that most people can think of. Like yeah. The upset customer. What do you do about that person? Right. And I think, you know, to give a specific instance, um, we had my customer service VA had let me know that we'd received an email from somebody who wasn't able to see one of the videos that we had up. And she tested the video. It worked just fine for her. We hadn't had any other complaints about the video. She sent her um, some troubleshooting guidelines like let it fully buffer before you hit play. Make sure you're on a wired connection. It's a 30-minute video. It's going to take some time. Try a different, you know, just a whole list that had been successful with people in the past. And this person still couldn't see the video. So we finally said, you know what, there's nothing 
else we can do. Here's your here's your money back. We'll give you a refund. So we gave her a refund and she still wasn't happy. She still was emailing me to complain about the service she received. And I said to her, you know, I don't understand why you're disappointed. That's the, That seems to be the big word these days. I'm disappointed. I'm so disappointed. I'm very disappointed. Like it's a passive aggressive thing is how I feel. <laughs> um, I'm so disappointed in the service I received. I would have been a good customer for you and instead you just wrote me off. And I, I was kind of like, you know what? 999 other people have been able to see that video. I don't have the capability to troubleshoot that for you. I just don't. So, right. What do, what do I do? I mean, she's actually attacking or questioning my service to her, which I thought was 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 quite satisfactory. We tried to fix the problem, couldn't fix the problem, gave her an immediate refund. Yet she still wasn't happy. You know, I, I've run I've run into that before, where I've given a refund where the person didn't want a refund. Mm-hmm. What they wanted was what they bought. Mm-hmm. And I I think I gave up too soon as the business owner. And Mm -hmm. said, hey, I can't solve your problem. Mm -hmm. So here's your money back. Mm -hmm. And the person said, I don't want my money back. I I want to be a customer. Mm -hmm. When you have someone like that, it's like, well, then then maybe I am actually doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe okay. I need to figure out how to better serve in these particular situations. So for us in the the internet marketing world where we're selling information products, or not just information products, the fact that we do business online and there's a technical component to it, mm-hmm. then we, uh, we have kind of a responsibility to make sure our product can be delivered across a lot of different systems. Mm -hmm. So most likely this person had an older computer Mm -hmm. that probably didn't have a plugin necessary in the browser necessary to run the video. All right. So that's probably what it was. So it could have been that it's like, well, if these things don't work, what you probably need to do is upgrade your browser. But if mm-hmm. the person's running on a really old machine, well, right. then they can't even upgrade their browser because it right. won't run on their operating system. Then it's it comes down to that. It's like you you need to troubleshoot all the way down to to that level. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, how old's your computer? When was the last time it was updated? You know, th- those kind of questions, the things that are above and beyond what you can actually affect, because they're they're all things that the customer has to deal with. Right. But by bringing them up and saying, here's here's all the different common things, which you start, which you did, you know, you did a part of it, but not down to the are you running on an ancient machine? Is it like the Flintstones where the little bird is like, (laughs) typing? you know, is is it is it that old? Mm -hmm. If it's one of those kind of things, then then there really is nothing you can do. You can then say, well, and unless you upgrade your computer, my product will not run on your system. Mm -hmm. So uh, how about I give you a refund? because you can't use the product. Right. Because then right. it's more like, hey, you know, I've worked with you I, and then we're down to there's nothing I can do now. So the only thing I can offer at this point as a business owner is a refund. Right. Or if that won't work for you, I do have this other product that I can exchange with this one mm-hmm. that doesn't have videos or anything like that that you could still consume. Mm-hmm. Would, would that be an acceptable thing? Mm-hmm. Because the person may still want to be a customer. 
Yeah. Isn't this also a cost benefit analysis too, though? Because I mean, we were in this case, we were talking about a $6.99 product. And for me or my customer service rep to spend an hour, I mean, we had already spent an hour with this person, all told between the two of us trying to help her. And, and she also, the other thing was she wasn't very nice about it. And that's the other thing too is, I mean, as a business owner, can I choose, I know I can, but should I choose who I want to work with? I mean, I wouldn't want to be sitting next to this person in an office. <laughs> and in this case, I have the capability to say, you know what? I don't think we're a good fit for each other. Here's your refund and then not deal with her anymore. Because in, in the past, if somebody has been nice about it, I've done, I, I, I just, I just see there's a, a, my life is too short to spend it on people like this is kind of how I feel. <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. I, yeah. I, though I do take a different approach to that mm-hmm. level of customer mm-hmm. service. And like you said, let, let me go into like the couple of different points here. One, the cost-benefit analysis. You were saying this was a, a $7 product. Mm-hmm. Well, there's an issue there in, in mm-hmm. that you're selling a $7 product that has to run on multiple systems that can lead to a bunch of customer service issues. So like $7 products, unless you're selling in huge volume, mm-hmm. are not profitable. Mm-hmm. because of the customer service issue. Mm-hmm. Although, just to interrupt there, she was the only person that we have had who has not been able to use this. Or the only the only one that complained. Because a lot of people don't consume products that they buy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a, a lot of people may not even know they can't run it on their machine. Mm-hmm. Or don't know how, or or they give up, and they just say, oh, you know, it's my old machine, so I'm not even going to bother with trying to figure this out, Right. Some mm-hmm. people just quit. And it's a $7 product. I'm not even going to bother them. Right. And some people run their businesses on that model. Uh, and it's see, those ca- are the, the customers breakage. I want. <laughs> 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 or the ones who write back very nicely. I don't want nasty people in my space. I mean, is that – I just – There's nothing wrong with, with mm-hmm. that element. What we find in customer service is that usually when somebody's being nasty, there's, there's a few reasons for it. They're just bad people. And, and there is a percentage of the population that is that kind of person. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a certain group of people that they're just going to be hateful. Yeah. They're, they're hateful in every interaction with anyone that they spend money for. The idea that a transaction allows them the opportunity to be nasty to people, they just find that that's acceptable. That's okay. acceptable behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those, those kind of people... If you find them, and and it's hard to really discern between that kind of person and then the person that's just upset. It could be that the guy got up in the morning, had a fight with his wife, went to work. His boss said his work sucked and and chewed him out about something. So he's had just this crappy day, comes home, sits down, goes to the product that he's just bought, and it won't run on his system. Mm-hmm. And he sends off a nasty email <laughs> saying, I bought this product and it won't work, mm-hmm. you know, and it could have been something like, dude, uh, you didn't update your browser in since 1997. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's the issue. But they don't think about that. It's it's always the other person's fault. 
when they're in that upset mode. And so defining between those two people, like the person who's just a, a naturally nasty person and then the person who's just upset in the moment that some good customer service would just eliminate Mm-hmm. that behavior and then mm-hmm. they become like one of your best customers because then they cool down they realize that they were a complete ass right and once they realize that then they're like oh sorry i was you know i yeah, was having I've a bad that. day right uh-huh. yeah so so those people those people end up becoming a really good customer people who tell you that they're they would have been a great customer probably are in the first group of just they're always going to be nasty if anything goes wrong Mm-hmm. Okay, they probably are because they're trying to tell you that you need to keep me around because if you don't keep me around, then I'm going to be nasty then too. <laughs> uh, so there's all these different interactions. And then you have the people who are just nice, like, hey, this thing didn't work. And those right. are the ones that make us feel better as business owners. Right. But it's not as helpful as the one who throws out the, the heavy complaint. Yeah. The mean one. Those people are actually more beneficial to a business providing great customer service because you can find the gaps in your service. You can find the gaps in your product. Mm-hmm. The nice people be like, ah, if you could just fix it, uh, that'd be nice. Right. And, and, you know, just do whatever you like, you know, maybe a refund. I don't care. Uh, yeah. You know, th- those kind of people don't help you grow as a company. Right. 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 That's a good point. Then the people who never complain, that never, the breakage model, they didn't even use the product. Well, those people don't really help you grow as a company either because they're not using your products. Then that means uh, in the future, they're probably not going to buy more. And they're not going to tell people how awesome your product was because they they never never used used it. it. Mm-hmm. So the people we, we want are the people who use the product and have a great experience. Those are the people who make our company super profitable. But the mm-hmm. people who help us improve the whole system are actually the people who come in and complain a bit. Mm-hmm. Because they, they let you know where you've got gaps in your business. Okay. And that is a tough pill to swallow. Mm. <laughs> Especially when you're personally involved in it. Mm-hmm. Like bigger companies, they get away with not knowing uh, how angry their customers really are. And it falls on somebody who's getting paid, you know, maybe a little bit above minimum wage to have to be on the front line. with that. Yeah, yeah. you know, ha- have to take the abuse. Yeah. But I don't. But and that, that was something that you had brought up before before we started recording was what about abuse? Yeah, because I don't think anybody should have to take abuse. None. Zero. No abuse policy. So what, what's considered abuse? I mean, obviously, somebody swearing, telling me, you know, or my customer service person, how horrible. I mean, personal attacks, things like that. Yes. Any, anything that gets, gets personal. Mm-hmm. That you are a bad person, you are doing something, you are fraudulent, you are whatever. You know, so people, what do you do with those? Just delete or do you actually answer those? Well, you, you should answer them mm-hmm. because they could be a, a decent person underneath it all. Probably not, but they could be. Mm-hmm. So you should answer them because you still, ha- you still have a responsibility to your company to answer this customer. Mm-hmm. So you answer them and say, hey, this this is the thing. But if you continue with this abusive behavior, then you will not be allowed to be a customer of my company. Mm-hmm. We will not tolerate that. We will do our best to solve whatever problem you're experiencing. And we are sorry that you've had a bad experience with our company. Right. But 
you cannot treat us like we're not human beings. Right. If you wish to continue that way, then please ask for a refund. We will give you a refund and then never come back. Yeah. That is okay. That That's, an, that's a, a response that I think people should have. When I had a pool company, I had this one customer that wanted a remodel of their pool. We did this whole new design for the actual mechanical system. And then on a separate side, the owner, she went off to someone else, a different vendor, and had her waterfall resized <laughs> and did not tell me this. We were putting in the system and then I saw some people come out and they started redoing the waterfall. And I'm like, what's going on here? And she said, well, I'm having the waterfall re- redone. I'm like, well, the equipment's not sized for a bigger waterfall. And she's like, I don't care. I'm like, well, then then I need to put in different equipment. So you're going to have to buy all new equipment mm-hmm. for this new waterfall. And she wouldn't do it. She she got upset and and then ended up threatening to sue me. <laughs> so then after it was all done, and this was a monthly service. So we also had my techs coming out and cleaning our pool on a weekly basis. And after having been threatened to be sued over something that I didn't have any involvement in, you know, the, the waterfall side, I couldn't do anything about it without changing the equipment that Mm -hmm. she had me install. And I go through all this thing. And then afterwards, I, after it was all done, I went to her husband and I said, well, we're stopping service on your pool. And he's like, well, why? I'm like, why? You guys threatened to sue me. He's like, oh, that was my wife. And it's like, (laughs) she was was upset. She was upset with, uh, she thought we had paid you for the equipment already. And, and, you know, all these different things. He's Uh like trying to be the nice guy. And Uh I'm like, sorry, I will not work with anyone who threatens to sue me for, uh, especially when I am not in the wrong. Right. And that, it's like if I had been in the wrong, I would have just went ahead and corrected everything. Yeah. But it was something that was out of my control because she didn't even let me get involved in the waterfall design. <laughs> Those kind of situations, like you come into these things where you are out, it's out of your control. And I did my best, worked with them for a couple of months trying to figure out the best way to handle the situation and eventually got it to work. It got everything to work well with this whole thing. But she was still mad at me. And I'm like, well, then uh, everything works. Everything works perfectly. So you're mad at me. You've threatened to sue me over over this remodel. And I'm not going to continue working with you. And and the guy was like, but you're, you have a great service. You have a great company. I want you to continue to you, do my pool. Like, <laughs> not going to happen. You've, you've uh, yelled at my staff. You've done all sorts of things. Oh, you are no longer a customer of my company. <laughs> and he, he respected it. She went ballistic. Yeah. So th- those, are, those are the cases. And, and you were saying something about, you know, I want it to be like a systematic approach, but it does kind of come down to a case-by-case basis as to how you, uh, how much of a response you give. Right, right. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, reading it in the moment. I think the thing I don't want to do is respond emotionally and... Because nobody likes to be attacked. Nobody likes to be told their business sucks or their customer service sucks or that when they when I've gone over and beyond in my mind to help this person out, give them the refund when I wasn't able to help them, um, 
and then still it's not enough. I mean, no, nobody really wants to hear that. So, <laughs> yeah, that that is the tough part. And the one thing that I was getting into that I wish I had actually been taught formally was that you treat everybody like a human being. Mm-hmm. You know, that you actually care for the people that you serve. Mm-hmm. When you're in business, you are serving people and you need to treat them as people and not as customers. That has been one of the things that was really tough. And so, the, and recently I read the book Delivering Happiness by yes. Tony Shea. So uh-huh. when it came out last year, I read that. In there, he talks about their customer service and why do they have exceptional customer service? Well, they give the staff great training on how to deal with people, especially those who call call in upset. But then also they have the authority to make it right. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing. It's like, how far do you, how far will you go to make it right? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of business owners just don't go far enough. Mm-hmm. Like with that one particular pool customer that I had, I dealt with, I dealt with them for a couple of months trying mm-hmm. to make it right. I had lost money on that project, but in the thousands of dollars, I had mm-hmm. lost money on that project. But I was going to make sure that when I walked away from that customer at the end, because I knew I was walking away, right. I knew I was dropping them as the customer. I, when I did that, I knew that my company was 100% in the right. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I did everything above and beyond what anyone else in the world would do. And I did it. And no, even though I knew I was losing a lot of money by doing it, I knew that this was setting a precedent for my company. Right. And all the other people in my company would see how the boss man comes out and deals with a customer. And if they see that the boss will stand firm on issues, especially the the really tough ones, will stand firm on it, not take abuse, but also go out of his way to make sure that the whatever the underlying problem is, is resolved. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's why I said, like, with a $7 products, it's really hard to go that route. It's difficult to pay for customer service on that level. What about free stuff like the podcast? I've had, because <laughs> I do the free webinars um, once a month as a lead generation and as a way to introduce my market to me and the webinar concept. And I probably get more complaints over a free webinar than I do on anything else. Well, there could be a couple of things here. One, you shouldn't do them because mm-hmm. they're not cost effective to your business or they are cost effective lead generations and those complaints are a part of your marketing cost. Okay. So but what do you do with those people? I mean, handling them, obviously, um, I, I don't have a problem with the handling of them. I, I have a problem with the abuse from them. <laughs> <laughs> Again, abuse is one of those things. Like, are are they actually abusing uh, abusing you in in the process? So, yeah. uh, so you respond to that, and like I yeah. said, you know, you you respond to that abuse. Like, yeah, I, I'm more than happy to help solve whatever the problem is. Sorry, you've had this bad experience with us. One thing. Oh, uh, on a tangent here. One thing never to do in customer service is to say. I'm sorry that you might have had a problem. Mm. Okay. 
No, no, the person has a problem. Right. Okay. We all hate this as human beings. Right. We hate it when the company gives us the fake apology. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like I'm re- sorry you feel that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's not it's not a real apology. People a lot of times all they want is to hear that you actually care. Uh-huh. And as soon as they hear that, then they go, "Oh, you're not evil, so therefore I'll start behaving like a decent human being." So mm-hmm. never give fake apologies. Okay. Take take 100% responsibility even when you're not wrong. <laughs> How do Even you do when that, co- though? Well, like uh, uh, with, with any kind of customer services, you just say, sorry, you have had this experience. We failed somewhere in the process. So, so can I give you a for instance? Uh-huh. So the deal is that these webinars are free to attend. You have to pre-register. And then after they're over, they're available for a limited time. And then they are in my membership only. So it's like a freebie for my members that they get this this webinar that no one else has access to, the replay. It's made very clear several times. You will have the replay option for several days. It's going to go away on this day. I emailed them multiple times so they know that. And somebody complained because I took it away. Well, Good. <laughs> that that means it's uh, that means it's actually working. So that kind of customer service thing, it's that takeaway selling. Yeah. And there there always be those people who, especially like in a product launch, when I say a product is coming off the market mm-hmm. for a certain amount of time, I say at this date it's no longer going to be available. You buy mm-hmm. it before this time. If mm-hmm. not, you can't buy it until we open up again. And okay. invariably, the next day. I get several emails saying, hey, you know, um, my dog was throwing up and so I had I couldn't buy yesterday. And it's like but it was for sale for a whole week. So where right. your was your dog throwing up for the whole week? There's this idea that you can just make an exception for me, can't you? Right. Couldn't you right. just do one exception for me? <laughs> Well, if you do, if you make that exception to that particular rule, then then what it'll get around that you don't actually obey those statements yourself. Right. And then when you do try to pull anything back, everyone's going to come back and say, hey, you know, you made an exception for Joe over here. So why don't you make an exception for me? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, then why are you doing it in the first place? Because mm-hmm. uh, it no longer works for whatever purpose it was meant for, right. which could be to get people to buy your product. Yeah. So if you make exceptions, then people will run all over them. That It's that whole give an inch and people will take a mile. Yep. That, that's what will happen. So if you've got somebody who's unhappy because they can't get it anymore even though you told them several times, okay, they're not unhappy. They're so dis quote unquote, so disappointed. (laughs) I seem to be getting everybody saying, I'm just so disappointed. I can't believe you did this. Well, you respond back saying, oh, sorry, you're disappointed. (laughs) And you say, we made it clear, you know, we do this. This is, we give this away for free for a certain amount of time. But then it given to our members. So if you would love to get this particular webinar, and guess what? We also have a whole bunch of other webinars in our membership area from the past that are no longer available mm-hmm. that, you know, you can join it just for this much per month. And since you're so disappointed, here's a, a coupon code that you can use that will give you um, $5 off on your first month of mm-hmm. membership. Mm-hmm. 
And so you've taken someone's disappointment and turned it into a sales opportunity. Do you do that in the same manner if they do it publicly, either on a Facebook page or on a blog? Well, if they do it in in those cases, they are not actually interested in resolving the problem. That's what I'm getting a lot of. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the smash and grab or the <laughs> the drive-by spamming. I don't know what you'd call it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the... The people who complain in public in public before actually trying to resolve the problem themselves, uh-huh. they are not actually interested in getting a solution. Mm. What they're interested in is getting other people to agree with them. Mm. So they, they want other people to get riled up. Mm-hmm. They want to start trouble is what they're trying to do. Mm. They, so- they may partially want some sort of resolution but the people who are complaining in public without actually having contacted you first Mm -hmm. those Mm -hmm. those people are more interested in trying to start problems than they are trying to actually get a resolution to their problem Mm -hmm. okay good good to know so would you delete the comments um it depends Mm -hmm. so if it seems reasonable Sometimes, and this this comes down to that case-by-case basis, so sometimes if they say something and it's like, oh, yeah, that does make sense. Right. They're not trying to start trouble. They're just trying to put out that there's something some something wrong with the ordering process, kind of mm-hmm. whatever that is. Then you're like, oh, yeah, sorry about that. And you make a response and say, oh, and here's how you fix it. And here's how to go about getting that resolved. Right. And so you can take that approach like, oh, sorry, you had this experience. You know, uh, we, we had told everybody that this thing was going away and going to be for members only after a certain time period. And it goes out in emails several times. So I'm sorry you missed those emails. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're taking responsibility. You know, I'm sorry that you didn't get those emails. You didn't uh, receive those. But you can get this one and all the others in the membership area for this amount. Then mm-hmm. you know, the ones who really want to start trouble, that's when they're going to flame up right then. Right. And those people you probably want to just delete. Yeah, okay. And block okay. their IP addresses <laughs> because they're not interested in in engaging with you as, as a human being. So you, you just try to cut them out as soon as possible. Right, right. That makes sense. So to kind of recap or, or put a framework on what we've been talking about, if, you know, there, we've talked, what I thought was really interesting is talking about customer facing um, and sometimes it's a product, it could be a product issue versus a customer service issue, even though there's a lot of intertwining between those two. But like in the case of requesting transcripts or requesting an addition or a new feature, it's not really the service that they're receiving. It's more about the product itself that they're talking about. So right. I thought that was a really interesting distinction. Um, and then also to to think about how those the complaints you get aren't bad per se, that they actually can be the way that we can improve as business owners, that we can, if we can find the kernel of truth in there, is that something that we can then extract and use to improve our business, improve our service? Is there something we're missing? Um, and that's a really good point too, that the, the customers who don't challenge us, um, either because they never use the product or they 
love everything we do aren't going to help us improve as business owners. So that was another big takeaway in our conversation today. And then also that there are just some people who are are miserable and they're intent on making everybody else miserable too. <laughs> and if we can get past the emotion of the moment, either for them or for us, to look at the underlying cause, we can figure out, is this something that I can address and turn this person around or are they really just a rabble rouser who's looking looking to throw a few rotten eggs and then run on to the next blog and troll around there? Right. And then determining whether or not you need to get rid of them. Yes. Yes. That's and- the thing. Uh, you don't want to – customers are hard to get. Mm-hmm. So when I and, – and I'm all for getting rid of bad customers. But – they're so hard to get you need to make sure that they actually are a bad customer first Mm -hmm. and and i think a lot of business owners quit too soon they just they just assume anyone who complains is a bad customer no no the people who complain are doing you a favor right the people who try to abuse you or the people who just troll your site to cause problems those people are people you don't want And you do, you first address it, but then if that does not work, then you get rid of them. Right. Right. That makes sense. Good. I like it. Awesome. Well, hopefully you got a lot of value out of this episode. And until the next time. Enjoy your foolish adventure. You've just listened to the Foolish Adventure Show with Tim Conley. To get more straight talk about making money online and building a successful internet business, go to FoolishAdventure.com. There, you can opt into the Freedom File newsletter. You'll also get access to the Foolish Guide to Launching Products video training module, over an hour and 20 minutes of business building knowledge that can generate tens of thousands of dollars for your new product. Enjoy your Foolish Adventure.